Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. I'm privileged today to have Mark Greenberg, the CEO of Equity Mortgage. Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you. So, Mark, in 90 seconds, tell us who you are and what you do. Well, I am a mortgage banker my whole life. Uh, I started in banking back in 1981. Uh, started Equity Mortgage as a residential lender in 1986. Uh, and I have grown a company uh, to 100 and some people and down to 20 people, depending on what the market has allowed us to do. So since the uh, start of this company, which started in 86? Correct. There's been some major downturns, right? Yes. You know, there's cycles throughout this industry, and we have to just go with the flow. Anybody can be a, a CEO and there's money in the bank, and you can do whatever you want. But uh, when it comes down to one of those downturns, where you have to uh, make decisions without a lot of cash. So tell me about one of those downturns and how you handled it. Well, I think every time, if you're a conservative business owner, you have to put money in the bank when it's being made, uh, because you know that there is always going to be downturns. Uh, And you don't ride the highs and you don't ride the lows. You try to stay at an even pace. So back in 1998, there was a large uh, drop in the market because of the, uh, the bond market and the short-term rate market had both dropped. And all the companies, that the hedge funds that were leveraged at that point in time uh, had margin calls and they dumped their paper into the, into the, uh, into the market to liquidate. And at that point in time, uh, it affected everybody who was in the mortgage market because they were trying to sell their paper to keep their liquidity. Uh, and at that point in time, the liquidity was very difficult and everybody had to start selling their paper at discounts just to get their money out if they could sell it at all. So bad times. And if I remember correctly, uh, you were actually purchased by another player at that point when this uh, seismic wave hit the market. So how did you navigate that uh, downturn? Well, the good thing was there were deeper pockets at that point in time, and it wasn't my money. Um, but it allowed us to, at that point, they had to make a decision whether we, you know, they keep the company going or they close it down. Uh, and that goes for all the subsidiaries. And they landed up coming to us and say we had our choice of either being purchased back by ourselves or they were going to close it down. We decided to buy it back. So what made you make that decision? Because you could have just shut down and just got a job somewhere. Correct. I think once you're in the industry as an owner and a decision maker, it's very tough to go back into a marketplace and try to find someone who's going to tell you what to do when you think you may know a better way of doing it. So what was the first day like when you had purchased back the business in a really bad climate? How many employees did you have then? Uh, We had about 25 at that point in time. Uh, Before that, we were probably close to 75. uh, And as we had seen the market turn around, we landed up uh, reducing staff, cutting back expenses because we knew that it was just the ultimate thing that you had to do to keep your business uh, operational. So what does day one look like when you got 25 employees, you've got uh, a big hill to climb. So did you uh, give a speech to the troops? Did you just keep your head down? Like, how did you lead that uh, group of people to success? 
Well, you do a couple things because you still have to remove other employees because you can't keep them all. And everybody wants and believes that they're an integral part. So you have to pick out the, the cream of the crop at that point in time and recharge yourself and figure out what's your strategy and what's your business plan going forward. Uh, the philosophy that I've always had is competition is good. Uh, there's always people who need money out there. Uh, and if you're diversified in your products, then you can go out there and be able to offer something to, to somebody. Because just because that market disappeared didn't mean people weren't buying homes and didn't mean people didn't need to refinance. So uh, just before we kind of move away from this uh, really amazing part of your story, uh, what's it like when you've got small staff and you still have to let people go in a really down economy? Because for a lot of leaders, that's a really tough decision to make. So how did you end up making that decision? And It's a very difficult decision, and I think it's difficult anytime you have to let anybody go. Uh, whether they are deserving or undeserving, uh, it's just hard to, to make that, that cut. Uh, and uh, it wears on you. You have a lot of sleepless nights debating over it and making the right choices and seeing you know, who, who you're going to keep and what they're going to bring to the table, the people who you're going to keep. So the compass you used when you were uh, at that uh, time in the history of this company, is that the same compass you use when times are good? Yeah, I think that one of the most important things when things are good is to keep your expenses extremely low, uh, to go back and look and try to cut, because if you start living at a higher level of uh, spending when things are good, we know that it's always going to change. And if you aren't prepared at those point in times, then when things have the downturn, you're going to be really exposed. So we constantly keep a focus on keeping our expenses down at all times. And I think that's a mark of leadership. Well, you know, Whatever your uh, values are, uh, if you can be true to those, and live them good times, bad times, that's a, a hallmark of greatness and not kind of like get uh, uh, fat and lazy when times are good and then uh, really tight when times are bad. Well, I, I also think that it's a good thing to be able to, to spend and enjoy your money uh, and not just sock it away uh, because that's what we work for. We work hard so we can enjoy things. And part of the enjoyment is seeing a growth of a company or the success or being able to you know, get through the difficult downturns. Um, but you also have to have your own personal time, your own, your own pleasures uh, without going to the extremes. So what lesson did you learn in that uh, part of history for this company? Like, what was the thing you took away that, you know, hey? I think the most important thing was always treat people fairly. Make sure your expenses are always in line. Uh, look for uh, the next opportunity in the industry, uh, whether it's a product uh, or, or, or the, a customer base, a, a segment or a niche in the marketplace. Uh, so you can be always moving forward and always feel that someone's on your heels and you have to keep pushing yourself. What motivates you? What keeps you going? I think it is um, a competitive nature. Mm -hmm. uh, every time that I have uh, been challenged in my life, uh, I try to step up to those challenges. And uh, a lot of downtimes, you, you become unemployed. Uh, you need someone behind you to push you a little bit harder. Uh, sometimes it's you pushing yourself, but somebody else, It's it, for me, it's been my wife who has sort of push me along to, to keep my confidence. And I think having confidence is one of the most important things. And having an awesome wife helping you along is pretty darn good too. <laughs> Absolutely, after 35 years of marriage and uh, you know a successful family and business over the years, uh, it's been pretty special, I'm very, I'm very fortunate. Nice, so who's a mentor for you? 
I've had numerous people who I've looked up to um, that haven't necessarily mentored me individually, but I think it's been some of the characteristics that they've had. Um, my father uh, was one. He worked uh, very hard, but wasn't a, a great father because he wasn't home. Mm-hmm. But if you understand what he was trying to do and provide for the family, you know his integrity was working hard and being able to provide. Uh, I've had other which are coaches, uh, and coaches always try to find the the way to motivate you. Right. Uh, and if they motivate you properly, whether it's sometimes screaming, sometimes it's a, a arm around the shoulders, um, but if they know how to utilize your strengths and play to that, that was important. The other thing is seeing negativity out there, and you know you see these characteristics that you know that you don't want to be uh, a person who yells and screams at employees, a person who throws chairs, a person who doesn't treat people fairly. Right. And uh, you know you see those characteristics, and you say that's not who I want to be. Uh, so it's it's more about those characteristics of people throughout my life more so than an individual mentor. Nice. If you could have lunch with anybody living or from history, who's that one person and what's the question that you'd be uh, looking to get the answer to? You know, um, I, I'm very connected to the state of Israel mm-hmm. and um, their leadership there throughout their their short history, yeah. Uh, and to be able to be faced with all these confrontations. So uh, whether it's Golda Meir or Ben-Gurion, uh, these are people who had this vision and this uh, blind faith to step forward and to make a country and to, to grow the country and to protect the country. So it's one of those people. If you get a chance to read this book, it's called The Promised Land, mm-hmm. a yes. brilliant, brilliant book that gives a a clear snapshot into the birth of Israel and the dynamics, and it was like uh, uh, one of my favorite reads. Yeah, it's an outstanding book. Mark, what was your first sales job? You know, I, I got into banking, uh, and I think uh, into mortgage banking into, in 1981, and I was a loan officer, so that was my first sales job. I, I sort of at that point knew that it was not about selling something as much as about listening to somebody and providing what they needed. To me, I still do that to this day. It's really understanding somebody's needs and either educating them, informing them, giving them options. Whether they need you or not to do the loan, it's more about giving them advice and, and suggestions. This may not be true, but from my uh, point of view, there's a desperate need of people out there to be listened to and heard. Because in this day and age, there's not a lot of that going on. Well, I think with the uh, the internet now, people don't want to talk. Right. They, they don't want to listen. They just want to be able to get their information, whether it's good information or bad information. That's the other problem. You know, you don't know what information is really good out there. Uh, so I think that if you have the opportunity to talk to somebody who has experience and understanding of their marketplace and 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 is learned about it, then I think that's a, a key goes a long point. way. Because yeah, people so. don't want to listen, but they want to be listened to. <laughs> well, that's part of a salesman is listening to them, so you can then make the suggestions for them. Uh, have you had any sales managers that were helping you along? Um, you know, I've had some. Um, partners throughout the years um, and you know they're sales managers as well and they have you know I think they've stayed so long with us and with me and uh, as a partnership that it's been uh, just that relationship overall. So tell me about one of the sales managers you had as an employee or someone that uh, was your manager and what was the attribute they had that you admired? I think uh, there are people who uh, 
spend a lot of time and effort, mm-hmm. but effectively. Not coming in late, not going and leaving early. A person who comes in and does their work and stays focused during the day uh, and has a plan. Uh, so that hard work and kind of focus is important. Yes. I, I think to this day, I, I still come in early. I still stay late. I try to show other people that Model that's... Model behavior. Absolutely. She was uh, one of my clients, uh, one of the most successful recruiters in the country. He still goes out in the bullpen and makes his calls every day because he says, I want my people to see me doing the work. I love it, and I want them to know that even if you reach the top, never lose sight of your roots. Well, in today's world with compliances as cumbersome as it may be, uh, and the changing of products, I've gotten more into the administration and compliance, and I was uh, pulling my hair out. I needed to get back in touch with the borrowers and, and mm-hmm. being out there in, in the sales side. And so I do take calls. I do make sales. I still, to me, I still originate loans. I think it's important to keep you in touch with what your product is, but it really, it, it, it soothes and heals my soul. The human connection. I have to do it. Yeah, it's very important to me. So this is a strange question to ask a Jew, but uh, tell me about a come to Jesus moment for you in your career. Come to Jesus moment was, I was unemployed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company I was working for went out of business, and uh, I had always said that I could start my own business, uh, but I wasn't going to do that because I was too low. I wouldn't have left somebody. But now I had the opportunity, and I kept finding all the reasons why I couldn't do it. Back to my wife, she kept pushing me and having me overcome each one of those hurdles. And I think it was that she had more confidence in me at that point in time than I had in myself. And so now I make sure that uh, I, I always look forward to push myself beyond waiting for someone else to. So one of the themes that's come up a few times in this short conversation is fairness. And it sounds like when you were talking about, I didn't want to start my own company when I was working for someone, because it sounds like in your internal compass, that wouldn't have been fair. Well, you, when you you learn a business and someone trains you and teaches you, and even though you think you can do better somewhere on your own, uh, there's still a loyalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think as any team and as any player in that team, you, you have to work together. Uh, and so I just didn't take that opportunity. Nice. So uh, looking at the sales climate right now, you've there's so many people looking on the internet to get quotes and understand and be educated. What's the biggest challenge for salespeople today? Sales in general, I think it's just getting to the, uh, to the right qualified customer. Uh, there's a lot of people who are homeowners in our situation. Do they have a need? Do they realize they have a need and what that is? So it's being able to open the door and getting in front of them. So how do you find those people? Well, a lot of our business comes from referrals uh, because people know that when they refer somebody to us, they can trust us to make sure that they're taken care of properly and they're treated fairly. Uh, the other way is we do direct mailing and we reach out to people that way, uh, makes the phones ring. At that point in time, we have conversations to help people. So referrals are good for any business. So how do you create mechanisms that encourages people to uh, not forget you and to refer you? I think in today's it's about value added, and so what we do is a lot of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we can educate through an organization or an association or employer or just somebody else's customer base, then to us it's about being able to be in front of them all the time because we're educating them. So how do you know you're making the right hire? Salespeople are all pretty when they're talking to you in the interview. 
and the fiction. I mean, their resume looks really good. So how do you make a decision that, you know, Janet's going to be a great fit for us? You know, in our industry right now, it's very difficult because it goes through so many gyrations. Uh, in the past, there didn't need to be any licensing. So now you you have to be licensed, uh, which is a great thing because it shows that there's more education, but that doesn't make them a good salesperson. Right. Uh, and I think from our standpoint, it's very difficult. We go through a lot of people to find the right right philosophy because we have to have them fit into our culture. People tell you they want to, they, they fit into your culture, they believe in your culture, but and actually doing it is something different. Tell me some of the uh, behaviors you would see that would let you know an employee's uh, fitting into your culture. I think it's about how they talk to the customer mm -hmm. and the client, uh, what kind of information they can bring to us to be able to figure out whether a, a loan is a potential loan. Uh, if you don't ask all the right questions, and you don't understand, and you're trying to put them into a product that's good for you as a loan officer, but not good for the client, then you know that they don't fit into your culture. You have to walk away from loans if they don't make sense. Uh, and in our time and age, it's about making sure it works for everybody. So you've probably had uh, salespeople over the years that were keepers, that, you know, uh, this person is amazing, but all salespeople, you know, sometimes they get into a funk or a slump. How do you get people out of that? I think it's just sitting down with them, uh, working with them, getting them back and giving them the confidence they need again. Uh, because they, everybody has the ability, if they're good, to, to talk to a person. This is a very fundamental business. There's some basic items that you really need when you're talking to a customer. It's being able to extract that information out. It gets into detail, but overall there's, it's, it can be a very simplistic business. What do you know now that you wish you knew 10 years ago? I wish I was paying attention in class more when I was in school uh, because some of the people and some of the opportunities that I had I didn't take advantage of as best I could uh, and I think that would have helped me uh, a lot more throughout. Um, whether it, it's whether education with reading, uh, writing, uh, communication skills, I think it just goes back to anything that you weren't aware of and weren't privy to. Uh, and now you are, you're just like, I wish I had spent more time doing that. Because anybody can write, but to write well is, is a gift. Absolutely. What's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, my wife telling me to marry her? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's to, to step out and do what you believe in. Take that little bit of a, a first step out there on the cliff and, uh, and believe in yourself. Uh, and I think that's been my whole life is having the confidence uh, and doing what you think you can do, uh, not letting other people tell you that you can't do something. So, Mark, how many kids do you have? I have two. Any grandkids? No. So for your two children, if they were starting their own business today, what would be the three pieces of advice you'd give them that would give them uh, a better chance of success? Uh, I think... Be true to yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that you have to be able to be true to the person you're you're dealing with, um, because it's honesty and integrity. I think that's one of the most important things, and be knowledgeable uh, about what you're doing. Uh, and with those items, I think that uh, you you can be pretty safe in in whatever things you do. Brilliant. Uh, before we part company, is there a book you would recommend people to read? 
I just finished reading The Undoing Project by Michael Lewis, and I thought it was an outstanding book from the standpoint it gave you a whole different perspective of how to look at things. Um, you know, we look at uh, surveys and we look at people and, you know, if you take a different stance and look at things, you get a whole different perspective and it's a really meaningful way to, to look at the world. There's another book, I forget the author, it's called Everybody Lies fascinating book. They don't look at uh, assessments or surveys. They look at what people are searching for on Google. And it was like, <laughs> just mind blowing. Mark, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? It, we're Equity Mortgage Lending. And our phone number is 410-321-7800. And we handle the whole Mid-Atlantic region. Brilliant. Thanks so much for sitting down with me. I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Wonderful. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results.